Welcome. I am Aaron Giesbrecht, head QB trainer and owner of Big Air Academy, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And you are tuned in to my podcast called Talking QBs with Coach Gies, a podcast dedicated to the Canadian quarterback and offensive football. And tonight on my 26th episode, I have head coach from the Vincent Massey Vikings, Mr. Mike Steves, and his QB1, Justin Sharp. How's it going, gentlemen? It is beautiful. Thank you for being on. Anytime, anytime. Gentlemen, uh, I know you both on a personal level. Uh, Mike, we got to coach together, and Justin, we worked together on the field. Uh, I'm looking forward to chatting ball with you guys tonight and kind of getting in-depth about Vincent Massey football. Uh, But first, I want to start with just your general family backgrounds. Coach, I'll start with you. Can you kind of tell my audience about your family growing up and and maybe uh, some of your interests and other sports you played before football? With uh, our household, we were a really a sports-oriented family. My dad was big. He was when we came. He came to Brandon. He was the the head coach for the BU Bobcats back in the day, okay. in the mid '60s and early '70s. So, I, my introduction to sports was was relentless. We had, uh, you know, I was always around BU watching their great basketball teams and their hockey teams and stuff like that and learning from a lot of great coaches like uh, Andy Murray, who coached in the pros for a little bit for the hockey and Jerry Hemmings and stuff like that. So sports to us was very important. I would surprise a lot of people that I'm not really a a bookworm. So if it wasn't for sports, I would probably be living in a van down by the river. (laughs) But uh, for me, my earliest memories are, you know, you know, playing hockey, out on the street on those days where the snow turned to ice and you have those old ugly skates that the steel blades and you have the the stick my dad would buy from the gas station that came from Russia and you got it with a 20 liter fill up or <laughs> those kind of things. So when I growing up, he was, uh, he started the football program at Neelan. And uh, so some of my earliest memories are, you know, we'd go down to Grand Forks and pick up, one of our vans filled with old stinky equipment and I'd be swimming in the back of shoulder pads and jock straps <laughs> like a dolphin as he drove across the border. So, you know, every Halloween picture for me from about the age of two to 15 was in some sort of football uniform. Maybe it snuck in a pirate outfit, but um, so football was really important. I spent hours sitting on my dad's lap watching the eight millimeter film of BU and Neyland and stuff like that. All my heroes really in that day were guys that either played for the Spartans or played at BU or or things like that. So I really grew up with uh, guys around the house. Like we had billets all the time that were part of the sport. Um, and for me, I played hockey. You know, hockey and soccer it was a way to burn energy. Mm-hmm. It uh, gave me motivation to, you know, back in the day it was community hockey. So we were you know, the West End boys playing hockey at our outdoor rink. And uh, so great exposure to hockey. And and again, my family and my brother are great golfers. And so golf is a very important part of my life still to this day. I You know, I played hockey for, you know, well into my almost 20s there. And uh, so football was a thing. Football around this area, though, was only a dream until you got to high school. So you had, we didn't have Pop Warner or whatever you would call it in Canada here. So, and for me, the honest torture of being 
a coach's kid who you can't play football until you're in high school was like every year it clicked closer and closer to that opportunity. So um, I had a friend, Kevin Grindy, who coaches with us, who started or restarted the program here and is one of the great coaches and great friend of mine. We grew up just a couple houses apart and, and football and, you know, Justin's story today of going to play football in the field today was something that we did every single day for from about as soon as the snow melted till the snow returned. So yeah, football was a big thing. And uh, for me, it was around in those early years, just getting ready for high school. The only thing that we could do for football was there was a Legion camp down at the Peace Garden south of here. Right. And uh, it was a week-long camp. And you just... It was truly, it was an, it was like being a pro football player. You know, it was actually a lot like the U18 or U16 where you lived and breathed football. And for a guy who really loved football, what a great experience. And, and it introduced us to guys from Tech Voc and, and coaches from Tech Voc and different schools. So you had a really good understanding of what football in the province was like. And for us, you know, you just waited till you got to high school to play and, and, once you get to high school, you only had the three years and we had a special teams at that time. And, uh, for me, football was really my only motivation. I would, we'd go to the Brandon Y as soon as football was over and, you know, we'd spend our days and, uh, probably should have got a part-time job, but we, uh, <laughs> uh, just lifted weights. And when high school football came, it was really important to us and the guys that were older than us and played on those teams were our heroes and it was it was like a dream playing with them it's very interesting just the background in, in terms of your family i also kind of was brought up around sports and i think that that just sort of gets ingrained in you as a young man and just that's what you do that's what you like to do those are the people you look up to is, is the athletes and coaches around you justin how about you how about your family background uh, are you also from brandon uh, and tell me about growing up in your family yeah, so I am from Brandon. Uh, my I live in a house with both parents. Uh, I have a sister. She's a year older than me. Um, I haven't ever really done anything other than sports. I guess I played piano for a couple of years. But other than that, it's been mainly sports. Uh, I did mini Spartan camps. So that's like volleyball and basketball. I started football at the age of eight. We were walking through the mall and my dad saw the wife uh football sign up which is pretty much like the house league football in brandon okay. uh and he asked me if i wanted to sign up and i talked to brady dane and he he signed me up that's where i got started my first coach was kevin dirksen and gavin young and that year i played mainly middle linebacker <laughs> you're a middle linebacker yeah, I was a middle linebacker that year for the most part. And okay. I mean, if you if you know Mr. Dirksen, you when you play on his team, you play everything. But that was my primary position. And then my second year is when I got into quarterback. So I would have been nine. And that was with uh, Ray Everett. He was my coach for three years. I, I always ended up on his team. And then I think it would have been grade seven. I started playing Wolverines. We had a pretty good team. Trey was our running back. He was really good. Matthew, uh, that's really where I, I met Matthew, which he's a really good receiver. Um, that's where we got going. And then 
my I played two years of Wolverines, and then after that, I played a year of Selects, which that was that was fun. Uh, great coaching, and that's where I found I started to get a little bit, a little bit more uh, serious about it. I've always been serious about football, but that's that's when I started really putting in the work on my own time. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it would have been uh, JV at Massey. And then I was gonna, which was coached by Mr. Grindy. He's a great guy, really funny. Uh, he also teaches me Canadian history right now. Okay. Um, and then after that, I was gonna try out for Toba, but that ended up getting canceled. So I just they had a couple camps and went to those and all that. Over the winter, I got a job at the uh, local rink, Valley View Rink, and so I started skating a little more i've never played hockey but i had lots of friends that do and they'd always ask me to come to the rink so i'd just show up to the rink and start playing with them i could hardly skate and i ended up getting a job at the rink so i pretty much not like i lived at the rink <laughs> there's nothing else to do gyms were closed there's can't play football in the winter and right. it was just something to keep me busy also i i still play volleyball and basketball don't put in too much extra effort in volleyball but basketball i do work on so i'd say i'm more of a dual sport athlete than a triple threat but it's uh i i enjoy playing basketball but football is definitely definitely my passion i i work hard at that and i'm currently working out three times a day i either go for a run or do a sprint workout in the morning i go to the field every day and i lift every day Tremendously dedicated to your craft. I love it. Coach, we kind of mentioned your a little bit of your football story, you know, going into your high school days. Can you take me through your football journey uh, from kind of beginning to the end and, and, you know, talk about maybe some memorable moments and, and all the stops along the way? For me, and you would know when we coached together at the U18, they had to get me a, a lady's large shirt because there was no shirt small enough for me, right? So uh, I've never been a big man. And so going into high school, uh, you know, I just wanted to be on the field, whatever way it was possible. And, and having your dad as head coach, you know, pretty much guaranteed I'm going to get some playing time, right? right. <laughs> but uh, so going into high school, we, I knew the year before that we had a pretty good team. We had some big guys, and we talked about how going into that 87 season – we had a, an O-line that was bigger than U of M and just a little bit smaller than uh, the Bombers at the time. So, And, and definitely back then, we we're a, a run-oriented system. So for me, just trying to get on the field and uh, being around football my whole life, I had a pretty good understanding of the game and, and there was always that possibility that I was going to be some sort of backup quarterback or a quarterback at the time. And, uh, and that was not my wishes. It's, it's my dad was the offensive coordinator. So grade 10, we went through the 87 season, which was an unbelievable season with a group of guys who, uh, you know, pretty much across the board are, are heroes to me, guys who I, I really loved. And, you know, I would lay it out on the line every time for those guys. So they really inspired me. And that season went along. We started the first four games. No one scored on us. It was something like 103 nothing over the course of the game. So we knew we were a good team at that point. Going into the season, you never know what could happen. Injury here, and we got a 
a couple transfers from Nipwa and Nealon okay. that really made a difference to our squad and really solidified our roster. And and that was a it was a great season. And if you look back at the the number of coaches at one point in Brandon here, uh, either myself or Mr. Grindy were the head coach. Rob Cullen was the head coach at Nealon and and Kevin Boyd at the time who passed away was the head coach at Crocus. So those are all guys that played on that team and what an important part of our lives that team and, and that season was. You know, we talk about it so much. It's If we lost that final game, we'd still talk about it because that team was a bunch of great guys. And, and you know, you hate to think that a championship is what brings us together, but... You know, we've talked a lot about it over the last couple of years being put into the Football Hall of Fame, but I rarely remember anything about some of those games, but I remember the, the bus rides and the camaraderie between us and the friendships that I still have, and we coach with a bunch of those guys. And So that was a really important part for me. Uh, after that season, you know, the championship was great, and it was an exciting part for Brandon to, to get the championship and stuff, but... Uh, we had a pretty good run the following year in 88 and struggled a little bit in 89. We still had some good character and some good leaders from that time, but you know what it takes to win a championship. And back then there wasn't divisions. Mm-hmm. It was one big league. I was really, I, I played a defensive half for most of my high school career. And whenever times were desperate, uh, I would play quarterback. <laughs> Truthfully, my greatest moment as a, quarterback for our Crocus team. And I'll tell you one thing, I played a lot of JV football. Our JV team played in the rural Manitoba League, so we played varsity teams. But you become a great tackler as a JV quarterback. Right? <laughs> Maybe Justin's story is a little bit different, but in our day, you had to, if you're going to throw a lot of picks, yeah. and so you're going to have to chase down a lot of guys. So I became a great tackler as a JV quarterback. And uh, so I played a lot of football, but so for me, I, my, my dad's true passion was to, to see me play football at the next level. And, uh, you know, I was still pretty small. I was probably 5'10", 170 when I graduated from high school and was lucky enough to, to go down to UND and uh, spend a year there. Okay. And the likes of uh, Neville Scar that were there and stuff like that. So it was a really inspiring time for me. And as I went down there as a, a safety and, you know, my couple of great stories from there is uh, the difference between Canadian American football is one of the first practices. I'm a naive young guy who the coach says, we need someone to return punts. And I was like on the field yeah. and uh, punter, hammers this beautiful spiral 60 yards it's the guys are coming down the field and i'm trying to catch the ball and i keep looking but these guys aren't slowing down these guys are hunting and i'm adjusting 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 and catch the ball and get ripped instantly kind of spin off that get ripped again but when when i get up out of this pile i my helmet's on backwards and (laughs) probably crying a little bit and uh our d 
defensive back coach comes up to me and says, this is America. They don't give you five yards. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, it's a different game and, and defense for us is when you get into, you know, you're, you're no, the yard isn't there. So, you know, when you're playing press as a corner, it's a different game. You're, 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 you're right on them. So it was a neat experience for me. And then, uh, they had a great coach there, Roger Thomas, and uh, he suggested that uh, I was I wanted to play football, so I went to a transfer to a smaller university just south of there, Mayville State. Yep. I talked to the coach, and and they were looking for uh, some receivers, and I went down there, and the rest is history. I played four years of as a receiver and I played, I kicked field goals whenever they needed someone. I played safety. I was a dude who just wasn't a great football player, but I worked extremely hard in the off season and uh, I wanted to be on that field. So I was special teams. I was, you know, at one point during a couple of seasons, I was in the top eight for tackles because I was on punt return or punt coverage and kickoff coverage. And I played a few positions on defense. So to me, I was, I wasn't very good. I was a jack of all trades kind of guy who could just show up and fill a spot mediocre. And, uh, that got me too. And I was lucky enough to, to be a captain down there and offensive player of the year. I don't know if it was a couple of times or not, but it was uh, a great experience for me. And, uh, some of them great friends and great memories and role models for me and started down there. Wow, that's an awesome story, coach. I like how you uh, call yourself mediocre as you're winning player of the year awards. I don't know how that really works, but uh, Justin, I'm going to go to you now and we're going to talk about the fact that we lost out on a 2020 season. Obviously uh, there was no football. You were able to play a little bit of uh, seven on seven, but you and uh, two of your receivers, Aaron and Matthew, decided to attend my Big Air camp last fall. I'm interested. What did you enjoy about the camp? I'll start with uh, how we found out about it. Uh, Coach Prep Chuck came into Winnipeg, and I had worked with him previously at, uh, when he came to Brandon. Mm -hmm. And he let me know that there was a camp in Winnipeg. So, of course, I signed up because a football camp's a football camp. I, I want to play football. Yeah, And then... Uh, you and my mom started talking and you guys talked about the camp and again I wasn't going to say no to a camp so I I uh signed up and brought brought along Matthew and Aaron who are very good receivers they're both very fast great route runners and great hands and very consistent receivers I love love playing with them and then we got to the camp and that's where I noticed uh my form's a little bit off and started fixing it, the getting the hips engaged and really flicking those hips forward. That's the one that that's the biggest thing that you really emphasized on and that I really, uh, really started to incorporate in my game. And I, I questioned it about the start because it did slow down my throwing motion a little bit. Mm -hmm. But again, like any coach says, practice makes perfect. And I started working on it and got faster release and, just added added like 15 yards onto my arm and so you're at 30 yards now <laughs> <laughs> somewhere around there that's really when i started to notice i was a little bit too big too because the footwork drills i was slow i had really uh small strides and 
getting over those bags wasn't very easy. So uh, started to lose weight then too. And now I've dropped from 240 down to about 178, 180. And it's, uh, it's definitely helped. I haven't lost any arm power doing that. And I am running about a 4.8, a 4.9. I feel way more quick. Like my vertical is a lot higher and it's, it just, you feel, I feel a lot more athletic and, uh, I, I'd say that it's mainly because of the big air camp when I realized I was a little bit big. That's really good insight to, you know, kind of be self-aware and and just kind of figure that out on your own. I I will say in terms of the quarterback mechanics, in terms of the hip action, that truthfully, that isn't something that I've taught until like that camp. Um, It's something that I've struggled with as a coach because I didn't throw the ball that way. That's not how I was taught. That wasn't the mechanics. But like I said to you guys out there, the more research that I do, the more film I watch of the most elite guys at at the highest level right now, they're all using their hips first, right? And it's all, you know, and, and I fought the biomechanics. I really did because I was like, I'm not a science guy. I don't really believe, I, you know, it's football. Just throw the ball. But the more research I did, it shows, right? Use your hips first and, and let your arm be part of the throw, not lead the throw. Um, and and you, you have made those changes. I noticed that on your film that you've sent me lately. So your technique is looking awesome. And obviously, you know, trimming some weights and, and getting in better shape is going to make you that much better. Coach, switching back to you, you know, 2020 year again was a lost year. What did, uh, what did you do without coaching football and how did your family and you yourself adapt to life with COVID? It was quite a change. It was one of those things where the family realized they like, I, they like me coaching. Yeah. They don't want me home at four. <laughs> Is there, could I get a part-time job or something like that? Right. Mm-hmm. Truthfully, it was, uh, it was tough. It was tough to, you know, as a teacher, the connection you have with students and probably in the 25 years that I've taught, I've never felt like teaching was a job. It was, I've really enjoyed it and I've been blessed to do it. And this year has is probably the only time it's really felt like a job. You don't get the kids to, you know, you don't have that opportunity to connect. You know, they were coming in for halftime, mm-hmm. you know, 50-50 at one point, and it's just not the same. And we're not, without the connection on the field, which to me and, you know, our coaching staff and our program is a little bit different than most where any program that lets me be the head coach must be strange, right? And, and you would know that. But... Uh, you know, we we love these kids. We really love working with them. And, you know, we've always talked about that um, the scoreboard can't define you. So we preach that. And then not having these kids around to to really to have fun. And, and when we have practices, we work hard, and there's no doubt about that. But if we're not having fun, uh, I'm doing something wrong, and our coaches are doing something wrong because, you know, that's why we're there. Football's too hard of a sport to not have fun. Absolutely. So... You know, it made the job tougher. I think I was probably a, uh, not as good a teacher this year as I have been in the past. And for family life, you know, I'm super blessed. My kids still like me. My wife still likes me. So, you know, we got into to silly things where we would do uh, mystery movie night. Okay. So I would... Uh, you know, make a couple cocktails and 
couple different snacks and those would be clues towards the movie and our goal was to get you and then we had watched the movie and and so i brought back some of the old school classics that that i loved and so uh, truly it's been a great time to connect with the family but we we definitely you know my kids they're uh 20 and 23 and they don't want to hang out with a, a bald guy for sure right so but they've been great and my wife has been great and we've had you know a good time but it, it has been a strange year and i I've, i'm nervous to teach with 30 kids in the class again i don't know yeah. if i'll be in the corner crying but uh it has been a strange year and just not to see the coaches that i miss from winnipeg Right. Like, you know, I don't really like Winnipeg in general, <laughs> but and, and they probably don't like me, but I really like seeing those guys and and connecting because football is a giant family. Right. And, and we all can relate. We've all been there and uh, it's a it's a special it's a special sport. There's no other sport in the world like it. Back at it with second quarter action with head coach Mike Steves and his QB1, Justin Sharp. Coach, uh, I have a really close relationship with my father. I've always been close with my dad. And, and you know, as you get older, I, I find that that relationship just, you know, continues to grow. I'm really proud of that relationship that I have and, and grateful that I have my dad in my life. I know you had a really close relationship with your dad, pretty big person in Brandon, Doug Steves. Can you tell me about your dad and maybe what he meant to your community? He... He had such an impact, you know, if you talk about football, you know, he started all three programs and just the impact he had with kids in this area. And but if you look at, he was a, a teacher at the uh, university and the number of teachers that he taught for this community, it just, it kind of is this expanding you know, in a sense, a good virus that goes because he really expanded the community, his impact around whether it was recruiting for BU, you know, some of the coaches that he hired are, are Jerry Hemmings and guys like that who are these legends in their sports. And so he, you know, he, he coached with the hockey team at BU. He's, he's done basically all that kind of working with so many different sports, uh, football, to me was kind of the, the great impact that he had on me. He, as I said earlier, we had continuously had billets at our house and, and just guys that, you know, you look up to, we had a gentleman stay at our house when I was a kid and his name was Duffy Brett and he played at the BU and he was this guy with these giant biceps and he was a Dallas Cowboys fan. And when oh, he yeah. shaved, he would wear one of those little tiny Dallas Cowboy helmets on his head. And I would hang from his arm. And and he was one of these guys I just loved. And I just, this is the dude I want to be. And, uh, you know, in uh, 92, when the Cowboys went to their first Super Bowl in a little bit, I got a phone call from him when they won the, the NFC championship game. And he said, book a ticket to LA. We're going to Pasadena. And he took me to the Super Bowl. Wow. And that year, Michael Jackson was the halftime show. Yeah. And, you know, this is like, this is what football has done for me, right? It's given me most of my friends in my life. And, uh, and when you see with my dad, his impact, uh, you know, the importance football has played in my life, but I, you know, you can ask people in this community and around the country that, uh, how important this sport has been to them. Absolutely. And, uh, so, you know, that's his impact. 
you know, he's done a lot of different things and I've had, you know, stories that he's one of those guys that if he's in the airport in Toronto, he's making friends. If he's in Hawaii, he's making friends. During my college career, I went to a golf course in Florida and, uh, I, we're twosome and we joined this other group and it was a police officer. And I said, I'm from, uh, Canada. He goes, you know, Doug Steves. And I was like, what? Yes, I do. That's my dad. So, you know, these crazy little stories and, and that guy had sent him books for years because somehow he owned some sort of book company or something. So he had this, he was a bigger than a bigger than life personality. You know, his smile lit up the room and, uh, and you know, he wasn't perfect, but for me, he was uh, a dad who, he was pretty easy on me. He knew I wasn't very skilled and I was pretty small. So, uh, I wasn't gonna, you know, bring home the bacon for a while with my pro career. But, uh, you know, he, he was a guy who, as you do with dads is you have some fights and, and some moments. And I had a great coach at Crocus Plains named Larry Hogue, who was the defensive coach. And, and he was really the filter for us. Okay. And if my dad had an issue or I had an issue, he was there to kind of to control it. And, you know, I, I had great moments. One of my favorite moments with my dad. And at that moment, I, you know, you hate your dad for that moment. But I was forced to be quarterback in our 88 season at Crocus. And it was a tough game. I forget who we were playing, but they were beating us up pretty good. And we, you know, we felt we'd just get back into the 87 routing people. And, uh, we had some funny things going on, but we're down on about the five yard line with no time left on the clock at half. And I keep the ball and head for the corner and run into a big linebacker. But I just leap out of control and fumble the ball through the end zone and nothing happens. And he takes me into the BU gym where we had our games and he, he just kind of lectured me about being a leader and that, you know, hanging on to the ball is so important. And, and, you know, I, you know, in myself, I was defensive saying, well, I didn't want to be quarterback, but you know, it was one of those things, moments where you, it was a calm moment. And I really thought about it later and how important it is just to have those respectful conversations. And, and he, when I coach, I try to be that respectful because I think, you know, for him, coaching was fun. He was, his coaches were his best buddies. They were the guys who had played play poker together. And, and that's the, how our staff is, is that we're a group of guys who really love being around each other. And, uh, and he, you know, that's what he brought to the game is this, this great respect for not only the players, but the coaches and, uh, and the sport itself. I, you know, I really like the, uh, the story of kind of that conflict of that game and, you know, that moment, uh, I'm thinking what a hard moment I had with my dad and, I was about nine years old. It was the first year that I was ever playing football. And uh, I was obviously a big kid, always been the big kid. I was playing defensive line, playing nose tackle. Uh, didn't have a hot clue what football was or whatever. You're just out there, right? No, no idea what I'm doing. Uh, apparently, I was half decent, but I didn't feel like it. And uh, our coach, our coach was a former CFL guy, Dan Hucklack. So he would condition us at the end of practice. And, and I definitely did not like the running at the end of practice. And I remember uh, after one practice, I, I can't remember, for whatever reason, we ran a lot of wind sprints. And me and my dad were on the drive home. And uh, my dad was kind of helping coach. My dad wasn't really a football guy to start, but uh, he was just around with me at practice. So 
he uh, he ended up becoming the team trainer and then kind of helping with the defense, uh, you know, just because he wanted to be out there with me. But I remember this drive home and I was, you know, complaining about all this running and I don't like this. I want to quit and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I remember him saying to me, you know what, Aaron, if you want to quit, you can. That's OK. He's like, but I'm going to continue to go to practice and honor my commitment. And uh, that moment stuck with me forever. And, you know, I continue to play football, obviously, from that. And being here today on a podcast about football is, you know, because of that moment. So it's nice to give back to your uh, and talk talk about your family and your dad. Growing up with your dad as a coach, um, do you feel like, and, you know, his background in education, do you feel like that led you to your career in education and coaching as well? You know what led me to this career choice in coaching was I was young in my, I was the youngest in our family, okay. so every Thanksgiving when we had people over, didn't matter my age, I was sitting at the little kids' table, <laughs> right? Right. Like, cause I was probably the same size as them, but uh, I got to hang out with the younger kids and control them while the parents had fun. And, you know, of course, the, the impact my dad had on the community was something in my head, but I don't think I ever thought to myself at that age that I want to be a coach. Right. Truthfully coach is the worst job man you sit on the sideline and wish you could play the whole time and you're telling kids to work hard because you know how important it is for them and you know it's, it's a hard job it is but uh you know for me as a teacher it it just happened and when i went to mayville it's a it's a teacher's college and i kind of that was kind of my direction at that time and and it was a great environment for me and the ability to to, in high school, really, to not only coach kids, but to teach them. You know, it's a, if you're doing a good job at either one, they're going to respect you at the other. And I think it makes my teaching job easier mm-hmm. to have these kids who, you know, I put in a lot of time and I'm an old fart, but when we do our summer training, I run with them, I lift with them, I run up the ugly hill, I sweat and bleed with them. And, and uh, awesome. you know, if, if, if we ever need a quarterback in a drill, man, I'm the first one to step up and throw some darts. But uh, so I think for me, it was a natural movement, but I don't think I ever thought I'm going to be a coach and I'm going to be a teacher. And, uh, but, you know, I guess deep down, I knew it was coming. How about, you know, if you weren't really looking in towards that, so you become a teacher, right? And then is that yeah. where your coaching career began or were you involved before that? My coaching for that, there wasn't much to coach when I was down in the States. I did help a few of the teams in the local communities and stuff like that. And from different sports, I pretend I was a baseball player. So I'd help the high school baseball team and, mm. and things like that. But uh, I was actually, I've had so many great coaches and again, I didn't say to myself, I want to be a coach because Larry Hogue was a great coach or, or Mike Moore was a great coach or uh, Roger Thomas was a great coach, but, or Doug Steve was a great coach, but it was always there. And when I was, I went to Toronto for a couple of years and I taught at a private school and we really had a neat setup for uh, our gym classes. And it really gave me an opportunity to, to less teach and coach different things. Right. So um, I also, at that time, started doing triathlons and I ended up getting sponsored to do triathlons and, and I had a a coach there for swimming who was a great coach who really inspired me to 
to on a different way to coach. You kind of thought coaches were raw, raw, and uh, you know you you find that being patient and understanding is an easier way to coach, and it's easier on the player and it's easier on yourself. So when I came back to Brandon, I got a job here at Massey, and and Grindy was here running the football program already. And, uh, you know, one of the things they asked me is, can you coach? And they said, can you coach baseball? And I lied and said, of course I can. And they said, can you coach basketball? And I lied and said, of course I can. And they said, can you coach football? And I was like, hmm, I might be able to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't as much a lie. So it was a great fit to come here. And, and I coached a lot of sports early on. I still, I do track here with my friend, Mr. Jones, who's really the track coach and I'm more of the cheerleader, but, uh, you know, I, there's some great coaches in my life and, uh, you know, probably the greatest and he'll never admit it is Mr. Grindy himself, who is, uh, a great human and a great friend. And, uh, we work out every day together still. <laughs> so, awesome. uh, you know, for, than he looks. Oh, he sure is. He what did he benched the other three twenty seven. So, um, you know, those are, those are the guys who I want to hang out with. You know, we have a similar thought process, and we're not always on the same page as you would know. And and we still have our little tiffs when you know Mr. Grinny wants to do this, and I I get to say I'm the head coach now, buddy. Step back. <laughs> <laughs> so. It, it seems like a natural fit, but I never thought I would be coaching. Me and you were able to, uh, you know, have a connection and coach together on Team Toba. I can't remember what year that was. Rob Cullen, another Brandon guy, was the head coach. I can recall, Coach, a moment where we were in a game. I, I think, I want to say we were down two scores. And we get the, <laughs> they kick off, we get the ball back, and, and we're pinned deep in our own end. And there's like maybe two or three seconds on the clock. And I recall looking to Coach Cullen and being like, okay, take a knee. And he waves me off, and he's like, no, no, throw it. And I remember we were all kind of reluctant. And I know you know this moment and know this story. So I want you to take over from here. I just, like, I don't even know if I can talk. The smile is so big on my face. <laughs> I think to this point, the setup has been great. I think that we were down by two, and there was only, like, five seconds left on the clock and we we're on our 27 yard line. And, and it's not like we were lighting up the, the sticks all day, no. but uh, we definitely thought we should take the knee. And as the, you know, if you're the head coach, you get to make those decisions. And he decided what was his line? Uh, what's the worst thing that could happen? Yes. You right. know what? And that day we drew it up. Right. So <laughs> it was a cryptic line. That's that's the benchmark. If you look in the dictionary of what can go wrong on the last play of this, you know, half, that's it. So what happens, our quarterback steps back and we are throwing like a goal or something to our, our, to our second string quarterback. Our quarterback releases the ball and takes the most ridiculous hit, head to head contact hit. Yeah. And he's uh, he's out. Uh, our receiver is whipping down the field and gets caught up and lands funny on his arm. And I think his shoulder went out. Yep. It's picked off by the safety who was sitting 55 yards deep, right. who uh, is returning it for a touchdown. Yes. Our other receiver, who is our third string quarterback, is chasing him down. Yes. And uh, breaks his ankle. And uh, the the safety ends up walking into the end zone and, and you and I are across the 
huddle at halftime there and you kind of look to your left and I look to my right and then we look at each other and I think you mouth the words saying, we have no quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Goodrich, what was his first name? Kurt, Kurt Goodrich? Kurt Goodrich. He must have read our lips or was yeah. standing close to you. I forget the scenario there. He just said, you know, coach, I got this. And uh, he was our quarterback. Who I don't think he'd ever played quarterback before. No. And he was uh, he was Peyton Manning back then. He was calling his this. He was calling freezes. He was running the ball. He uh, he didn't take us down to score, but he took us down to about the 17 yard line. On really one of the highlights of my coaching career. What a what a great young man to do that. And absolutely. And again, that's the joy of football. Boy, you know we lost that game and in a weird scenario, but. That was one of the great moments, and man, I smiled the whole time because he—he was a great spirit. And that is so—that <laughs> is so true. Because I remember, like we—we we were getting spanked in that game, but him out there and and just you know rallying the guys, and, and I think at some point I was just like, "Okay, hey, just call your own plays. Like you got this, whatever." And he was—he was doing his best, and it, like we were like getting a big thrill on the sideline every time he complete a pass, or like you said, he checked to the run, or he changed oh. the snap count. Like it was—it was awesome. And such a moment of like, I'm going to do this for my team. Like it did him no good. He was a high prospect kid wanting to show his ability at receiver. And, right. and, and obviously, you know, wasn't going to be able to do that by playing quarterback. But wow, what a moment. And, and, and also like back to Coach <laughs> Cullen, like, come on, man. What's the but worst you know, thing I, that happen? You can have a bunch of Kirk Goodriches who I remember him as a kid who loved the sport and was a great kid and I, I just know you know that game wasn't going great for us but you know when he was in there the defense was on their feet and we were mm -hmm. all laughing and clapping and yeah and having those moments and I think you know when you look at it it's you know football in Canada you know we're the you know maybe the top four sport in this country or something like that and sure. and those are moments to me that I don't know what Kurt's doing now but uh he, he really it was a great moment it showed me how, again how great this sport is and uh, and sometimes it's not all about you. It's what you can do for your teammates. And I love that moment. And I will think about that moment for all my coaching career. And I refer to it all the time. And, you know, as a head coach, you have that all the time. What do you want to do at half? Should we yeah. take a shot? Should we take a knee? And I always, <laughs> what's the worst thing that happens? I know yeah. we can't be worse than that. But, uh, you know, maybe. No. I'm taking a knee. I'll tell you that. Much. <laughs> I learned my lesson. Uh, okay, switching gears here, Justin. It's been a while since we chatted. You've been doing a lot of good work in your community, giving back, coaching, and refing. I'm interested. Uh, you know, at such a young age, what got you into coaching? So, what got me into coaching was my parents. After I think it was two years of me playing in the uh, Wifa League, they uh, got on the board. Okay. And my mom is now the vice pres of the board. And I'm not sure exactly what my dad's position is on the board, but uh, there was one day she was just like, Hey, we need some extra coaches for the younger age groups. I started coaching Terminator, which was the uh, youngest little, little guys, a little bobbleheads. Seven and eight year olds or whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, sure. Why not? I started coaching and I enjoyed it. I love it. The, the look on the little kids faces when they make a big play or, you know, make a nice tackle, like get up all 
smiley and it's it's just it's fun to be around and especially if you can coach with friends and you get along with your other coaches really well it's it's enjoyable it doesn't really feel like a job having to be there it's 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 fun and coaching definitely helps me with my own game it's not necessarily my skills but as like a leader I uh, like as a quarterback you're obviously the leader of the offense if not the team and a lot of eyes are on you but when you're the coach you're even more of a leader and uh I found after I coached with everyone every every single person on that team looks at you for answers right and and I started playing quarterback and I I learned how to actually properly help my teammates if they're struggling with something they may be a little uh upset over the past play it's just you know how to talk to them and you know next play the last plays in the past can't can't change anything about it just learn from that play and move on to the next that's what I've really uh really picked out and again awesome that you're giving back at such a young age and like you said I think that the ability to be a coach and be a leader out there is going to help you just with your overall confidence right you're going to be used to talking to a bunch of players at once, being the leader of that team. And that's going to carry over to playing quarterback on your own team, right? So I really love it. Justin was coached by Coach Grindy and a couple of young guys that used to play for us. And and that atmosphere is so great. And I think if you look at our youth football program or in Brandon here is I think something like 90% of the coaches are Massey alumni. And I think it's a you know, a testament to Mr. Grindy and how he has it had this program really running. And the game is the game and, you know, you can't control much about it. But, you know, the way you treat people and the way you have fun and you asked Justin just talking about, you know, you can have fun with those coaches, right? And and as that environment really breeds coaches. And I, I see it all the time that kids want to come back and coach with us. And it's not necessarily that we're great coaches, but I think we're pretty good guys and we, we have a lot of fun and it's a, it's a pretty re- relaxed atmosphere. And, you know, as long as you're, you're doing the best you can, uh, you know, that's all we can ask for. And I think, you know, you see kids like this who see that we're having fun coaching. And uh, I think, you know, that's a positive impact on them. And that, you know, transcends again. And we, because my father and Larry Hogue were great coaches to us. And this is just this kind of, you know, trickle effect of making our community better. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we have great coaches in Winnipeg that have that same effect on kids and stuff like that. And I think that's so important for us. And I'm really proud of our program and the kids that come out of it and coach elsewhere. And, and uh, you know, that's a great part of this career. You know, there's a couple things that you've mentioned that I'm just kind of going to put together here, like talking about the atmosphere that you guys have created at your minor level and also within your own team, talking about being good guys and, you know, people generally liking you. And also the fact that you mentioned before about, you know, we put in so much time and effort to this game that you want to coach with people in a circumstance that you enjoy being there, right? Like we put in a lot of time, so you don't want to be, you know, upset or disgruntled daily about the people you coach with or the program you're with or, or whatever right so I think those are really like really great points and 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 really true to what goes into making a successful program right you want your players and your coaches to have a good time and enjoy themselves and love football and I think you've created that in Brandon so great work guys
back at it for the third quarter with head coach Mike Steves and quarterback Justin Sharp. So guys, I was able to coach for the Vincent Massey Winnipeg Trojans in 2012-2013. Uh, Just kind of interested in your perspective on this. Do you dislike that uh, you share the same school name as a Winnipeg team? Do you feel forgotten, Oton Brandon? I don't think about it too, too much. It's it's kind of funny because I'll be talking to kids from Winnipeg and they'll be like, oh yeah, what school do you play for? And I'll just, you know, casually say Massey because when you're talking to somebody in Brandon, Massey means Massey yeah, Brandon. Right. And uh, they'll be like, uh, really? I thought the QB at Vincent Massey is so-and-so. And then I'll be like, no, that's that's Vincent Massey Winnipeg. So it's it definitely makes for some awkward conversations, but <laughs> it's not not the biggest deal in the world. Okay, Justin, how about how you take me through your 2019 JV season? Okay, so it was it was a fun season. We had a great group. I I loved every single every single kid on that team, and it definitely made me want to work harder. Everyone was pretty motivated and never ever have issues. If I want to go to the field and throw the ball, I always have a receiver that'll come with me and run routes. Everybody's everybody wants to get better. Everybody wants to play well. Everybody enjoys the sport and uh, the bus rides. Those are those are fun. Those are definitely something that I'll never forget. We went 7-0 and that season. If you ask Mr. Grindy, he says that doesn't matter. <laughs> he, uh, he doesn't like talking about our record. He what, he what he likes to talk about is a great group of kids. He Everyone on the team was a great, great athlete, great uh, character, fun to be around. We never really had any team drama. We never had any... We didn't, we didn't have groups of the team. We were all just one giant group, if that makes sense. So, guys, what I'd like to do is if, if you guys could screen share right now and pull up some, uh, some passing plays, some passing concepts from that 2019 season, I'd love to see some of your work. Sure. Here's the first play I think Justin suggested, of course, is the touchdown pass. It might even be, is this your first touchdown pass as a high school student, Justin? It was second play of the game, so, yeah. Second play of the first game. It was a uh, horns concept on the light, on the left. So it was wide receivers running a sluggo and the slot back is running a wheel. And we had, I think it was Aaron Passaporte at wide out and Matthew at slots. They, they switched positions there for one play. And I'll let you play the clip and you can see what happens. I'll give you a quick rundown here is uh, Mr. Grindy uh, coached in the rural Manitoba Football League, nine man for numerous years and is uh, quite a wizard at the nine man concepts. So he, he's a unique character, mm -hmm. probably he wouldn't admit it, but probably my best friend and I'm probably his fifth or something like that. But um, so he, he really came into the season really wanting to, you know, confuse some offenses. So he really put a lot of motion and, uh, different concepts into it. So it's a unique looking nine man system, but uh, okay. we'll let this play run out to begin. Here we go. Fun offense to run to. Okay. So you got three down linemen, a wing back. Oh, here we go. Yeah. So we're going to start throwing some motion at you. Okay. Oh, oh max pro. Yeah. So basically a scissors concept, right? 
Almost. It's uh, it's like a little rub route underneath that turns vertical after. So how does so, your how does your wide out run this route? He runs it underneath the wheel because technically the sluggo is the first read on this play down the seam. So when when you say sluggo, just because there's obviously different ways to look at this, is that go like up the seam for you guys? If you guys are running a sluggo, it doesn't go slant fade because some people call that a sluggo. Yeah, no, it's it's up the seam. It's up the seam. Okay. Uh, the slot back on the wheel takes the outside lane. Right. I understand. Okay. I like it. Okay. So let's play it through. Yeah. So the wheel comes behind that slant. Well, you could have thrown either guy. Yeah. yeah. No safety over top yeah. too. So they hadn't played, they weren't playing, this is early on, so but they threw a safety in later in that game. Do you remember, Justin? I think maybe in the second half of the game they threw a safety in, but even we had we had Cole in the backfield, so they really had to respect his run. He's a very strong running back, very quick feet, and he hurts to tackle. So they, they had to load up the box for the whole game. They couldn't, couldn't really, it was just pick your poison. What I like, I like the simplicity, the fact that it's max pro, right? You got... I don't know how many guys protecting. It's nine man football, so three, four, five, six guys protecting, right? Like, yeah. like you know. And then you're isolating the routes. I, that that reminds me of when I used to play high school football. We were a power I team, and we would go max pro, and it would be like fades on the outside or slants. And, and so you know the simplicity of it, I, I really like. What makes this work mm -hmm. is uh, an unbelievable quarterback who can throw a dart. And receivers who can catch, right? Like O line so, too. Just play and takes that, for well. sure. And uh, early on in the game, it just shows you on the arm strength because in JV football, rarely do you see this. Right. Right. And and these receivers that we have at this JV level uh, are all spectacular. And and Excellent. again, rarely do you see that in this. So it it was a great concept but uh you know one thing you can draw up anything you want but if you have the better athletes on the field at that moment it's usually in your favor justin what kind of drop are you taking here just a three-step i believe if i remember correctly okay. nothing too special it's out of guns so don't really need to drop too far yeah little baby, little baby steps little baby steps look at that whoop that's not a step right there. He, he's That's a, a dance he, move. That's me at the high school dance, buddy. Another thing I worked on with Big Air is yeah. my drops. I was going to say, I noticed a false step that you've removed from your game. So good, yeah. good job on you. All right, guys, what, what will the next play? Next play, play number 13. No, 14. Okay. It's out of the same concept, right? It's a, almost the exact same play, isn't it? No, it isn't. It's uh, It's... Uh, to gas on the seam. One more. One more? Yeah, 14. I don't know my numbers. There you go. Drafting teacher. That's right. Art teacher. <laughs> okay, same formation. I'm just going to spread this out a bit. One thing, how nice is that field looking just for Ooh. you know, a side note? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Not bad for Shelbyville. That's right. On another side note, that this was one of the great days in viking football history it was one for the the league itself we had a jv game which was spectacular and then we had a varsity game uh against uh, the varsity uh, sturgeon creek yes and the, you know the excitement for the first game of the year you know 
football and Brandon is really starting to catch on and this really got us inspired. So a little play yeah. action look here with a little, what I would call maybe orbit motion. Yep. Uh, we had previously in the game burnt them on two of those little uh, end arounds with the slot. Okay. Uh, with Matthew running that as well. Gotcha. Um, so they, again, you can see no safety over top. So I'm reading blitz at this point right. because they, again, uh, we're blitzing most of the game, just like most of the teams we've fa we uh, faced. Mm -hmm. So Matthew on that motion, we had him coming around. It's a little motion to uh, the counter to that play is he uh, hits the, I want to say B gap or mm -hmm. bounces it out. He usually bounces out. He's a fast guy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I said, they had been burnt on that twice before. So coach Grindy being a smart guy, uh, switched it up a little bit and we threw in the play action off that uh, motion. Mm -hmm. And then again, I'm reading a cover zero. There's no safety over top. Right. So I'm getting jittery. I see the seam pop open and just throw it over top. Yeah. That's great recognition to see what's going on. And like you said, it's an easy throw up the seam. Good ball. And I'll tell you, like, and one thing about Justin, and uh, and I hate saying nice things about him as a teacher, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get rid of doing that stuff. But, you know, that's a, it's easy to throw a dart, right? And it's as a quarterback, and you're a big guy, I, I think every pass I threw was soft. So, you know, I didn't have that arm strength. But to, that's a beautiful, soft touch yes. pass there. And, and, again, for a JV quarterback, that's uh, something rare to see and. You know, we're very blessed to see this. No, and that's a great point. And Justin can attest to this, that I talk about at Big Air Workouts when we're throwing with receivers that we need to throw catchable balls, right? I, I was the guy that had the hose that slinged it all over the place, but nobody could catch it, right? And, like, how stupid was I? You're right. Like, how about I just throw it so they can catch it, right? It's not yeah. about how hard your arm is or whatever. It's about being on time and being in sync with your guys. And throwing catchable footballs, so it's a great point. Receivers as possible. Yeah, exactly. That, that's my strength as a quarterback is just I throw these beautiful, soft, catchable balls. It's like catching a pillow, but uh, I never knew what it was like to zing it. But you, uh, I want to watch it one more time because I'm really I forgot how beautiful the touch on this pass is. It's wonderful. Your outside guys are just running fades just to keep them wide. Yeah. Yep. Spread them out. Yep. Love it. Oh, it's a great concept. All right, guys, thanks for that. Appreciate that. Okay, Coach, just uh, want to talk about the upcoming season now. We've kind of been getting good news. Obviously, it's everything's still touch and go, but let's assume that we can get on the field and play football in some form or fashion this fall. What are your expectations for your team? Wow, you know, that's an that's a unbelievable question, and I think, you know, I don't even know what to say. It's been a year from football, you know, as a coach, I don't even know if I remember how to coach. <laughs> our expectations are, and this is something that our program, and, and we've had a bit of success, but not a ton. But one thing that we do is we work hard. And I think if there's anything you get from football is that it's a tough sport. You know, you know, my kids were lucky enough to play hockey and they would play and they were on some of these travel teams and stuff. And, and they would get three practices maybe per game or something like that. Which, But, you know, in football, we're, we're putting a lot of time in for little reward. And when I talk to my parents at the start of a season, I say, you guys are ridiculous. 
right? You're going to have your kids practice all this time and there's like guaranteed of maybe eight games. The reward is the game and I, and I go back to, and I think it was Brian Erlacher who said, uh, the guy said to him, it must be nice to play football and get paid $11 million a year. And he looked at the reporter and said, uh, they pay me to practice. The games are for free. Right. Right. So, you know, our expectation is that when we get into a game and whether we're competitive with that team or not is we're going to be physically competitive. And, and that's our, that's our style. And, and we have some skilled players and we've always had some skilled players, but we're known that we're going to be relentless. We're going to work hard and we're only going to get better when we get into that second half. And, and that usually works in our favor. And I think for us, we're really proud of the effort our guys put in, in the off season and in the season. And I think, you know, when you look at these guys and, you know, these they're scrawny little guys who, who stick their nose in there and get dirty. And that's, you know, that's what makes football so special, right? There's, you know, we're worried about these kids and concussions and we should be in stuff, but we also, you know, football isn't just concussions and you know, it more than anything is that, you know, I wasn't a great student in high school and football kept me there. I wasn't a great student in university until my coaches said, you better be mm-hmm. right. Not to brag. I ended on the Dean's list or something like that, but I couldn't have done any of that without football. The opportunity to play football is so, so important. Our expectations, we can't control it. Effort and attitude is all we got. And, uh, you know, if whatever division in we're in, we're going to go there. We're going to play hard, win or lose. We're, we're going to have some fun. We're going to wake up stiff the next morning. And we're going to be excited for Monday's practice. And, and winning or losing, I've been on enough winning slash losing teams that, uh, you know, if you're having fun, the scoreboard can't define you. And... So I think our expectation is you're going to work hard and have fun and I'll stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I like how he says that because our, I can, I can definitely uh, say from personal experience, uh, preseason workouts, they're, uh, they're killers. And we're four nights of the week, I think, and about two hours each time, except for hill runs are about an hour and a half in the mornings on Fridays. I, if I remember correctly. And, Kool-Aid Jammers, baby. Kool-Aid Jammers. They they always find a way to absolutely break us down to the point of wanting to, not wanting to quit, but wanting to give up almost. Mm-hmm. And then find find a way to make it so that we will also want to stay, if that makes sense. So yeah. like you said, he, they, they are really good at making it. Making it fun while also beating us up. Sort of pushing you to the brink, right? That's what makes, to me, like, you know, football so special and, and so many other sports are, but when you can train together and have that ability to, to sweat and to puke, our hill that we run is covered in puke. And that goes from CFL number one draft picks. Chris Bauman's run that hill with me a few times. And Mr. Grindy and myself, we'd watch the video of uh, Walter Payton from crunch course. If yeah. you ever get a chance, check that I've out. And, yeah. and he ran the hills and, and we did that. And that's where it's all built. Right. Right. You, you're not going to, at the start of the season, you really know if you're going to have a good season, if you've had a good off season. And I think, and that's the fun part. You know, 
we're joking about Kool-Aid jammers on Hill. That's a tradition or bringing watermelons like those, you know, halftime at the soccer game for little kids. Right. So if you can make the training part, which I love, I've trained my whole life. Mm -hmm. The only reason I was ever good at a sport is I worked hard and, uh, I don't have a whole bunch of natural talent, so I figured out I better work hard. And, and that's those are great characteristics. If you can leave football and just have the ability to work hard, I'm proud of you, and I love you for putting your time in. Again, awesome insight. Uh, you know what? I want to connect the dots a little bit here, guys. And obviously, you're talking about training. You're talking about your passion for training, Coach. As as an old man, you you still got uh, quite the hey, physique. Hey, 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 let's settle down. Well, you're approaching I retirement. Last in August, so I, I'm I'm nearly old. You're pretty old. <laughs> Anyways, you take good care of yourself. Your quarterback has made a huge body transformation, right? Uh, you know, just myself as well. I've tried to get healthy, dropped a bunch of weight. You know, feeling a lot better. Justin, you kind of talked about, you know, just being a better athlete because you dropped the weight and you're more athletic just because of that. Coach, are you impressed with the progress Justin's made? A hundred percent. You'd hate to say again, nice things about Justin because he's got great hair and stuff like that. And I'm a little bit jealous, but uh, that's hard work. You know, you know it. I'm an adult and I've, uh, I've worked hard, really hard for most of my life and, and I've taken care of pretty good care of my body and stuff like that. But uh, it's tough to get in those habits, mm-hmm. right? And and it's, you know, it's so easy to go for a Slurpee or to have that bag of chips or to miss a workout. And and for a young guy to just make that change, it, it's very impressive. It's inspiring not only to him, but, it, you know, he won't know the effect he has on other kids right. who think, you know, if he can do it, why can't I? Mm-hmm. If he can do it, why shouldn't I? Right. Right. And these are, you know, I say this, I teach a fitness class at Massey here and I tell these kids like, you know, eventually your metabolism is going to slow down. Right. And right. And if you can do a little bit every day for the rest of your life, you're going to have a a better life. Right. And I think he's on the right track. You know, he was, he had his shirt off yesterday. I saw him at the, you know, he's looking shredded. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, one of those things where, you know, there's so many benefits, not just for sports, but for, you know, life in general and the, the ability to do things a little easier. And I'm so proud of you for taking some weight off. And again, you know, the challenges it takes. It's it's definitely tough. Yeah. So, you know, speaking, speaking of that, Justin, because like I said, I'm kind of going through it too. I've, I've lost about 70 pounds, but I'm still far away from where I want to be. And it's a daily grind. I have to be dialed in and it's, it's not easy. I, I was able to drop a bunch of weight in about nine months. And for the last I don't know, maybe four or five months, I've been kind of stuck in, in a window of 10 or 15 pound range where I'm not making much progress, you know, but uh, can you speak about just the discipline it takes to, to be dialed in with your diet? And you talked about training three times a week. Oh, it's, uh, it's definitely, definitely not easy. Um, you wake up some mornings and you just don't have the motivation. And uh, that's, that's the thing. Motivation can get you started, but discipline is what keeps you going. And what it, what it was for me is I think in the, uh, what was it? I guess six months, seven months that I was cutting, mm-hmm. uh, I think I had two cheat meals in there Wow. and what it, I, I couldn't like, if I ate a cheat meal, I wanted more. That's why I, right. I just didn't have them. I, it, you just have to take away the thing that make you want to break your good habits. If that makes sense. No, it makes perfect um, sense. 
it's it's really it's hard it's definitely not easy but it's a hundred percent worth it so we're both super proud of you and the progress you made honestly dude the footage you sent me a couple months ago was like a different quarterback okay and and i'm really impressed you've also made you know progress with your mechanics but uh it all comes together when you're a better athlete and when you're confident in yourself and your abilities so again awesome work Gizzy, I love you, man. I think you're awesome. Super proud. 70 pounds is an unbelievable feat. Thanks, buddy. And I think, you know, I never got to tell you how impressed I was as a, when you were the offensive coordinator those years. Right? You really changed the way I coached. You really, you know, inspired me to be a better coach. And uh, this motivation that you're, you've got to, to lose the weight and stuff is you're going to have those sticking points. But, you know, change it up. Yeah. Be patient. It's a long race, man. When you get to my age, man, mm-hmm. you realize you're, you're maybe just halfway. Absolutely. So, you know, the discipline's there. I'm super proud of you. And uh, keep it going, you guys. Back at it with the fourth quarter with QB, Justin Sharp, and head coach, Mike Steves. So, gentlemen, we got some uh, really good news on Monday. There was a CFL vote for potential season. Seemed like the vote went well. Good news. It looks like we're, you know, headed into the into the direction of having a season starting in August. Justin, you uh, mentioned before when we were talking off air that you're a pretty big CFL fan. Are you excited for the return? Oh yeah, I'm very excited. It's been it's been tough not having football on TV to watch. Even it just seems like an extra long off season, honestly. You know, you're just waiting for that first game of the season and waiting for it to all get rolling. And then once it gets rolling, you're just waiting for playoffs. And then, oh, it's – I can't wait for it to start up because that's – not not only is it, you know, fun to watch. You can you can watch great quarterbacks do what they do and pick things off from them and start adding that to your game. Absolutely. And, and talking about quarterbacks, in your opinion, who do you think is the best CFL QB right now? I, I don't know who I could say the best. Is, but I, I'd say the most promising would be uh, Fajardo, and it hurts me to say uh, I'm I'm a Bombers fan for sure, right. have been my whole life. But whenever whenever Fajardo steps on the field, they just it's always it's always a threat. It's 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 scary watching him run the offense because they they can score at any time with him on the field. He's so versatile. You know, you could you could get three three guys coming through the line and. Next thing you know, he's outside of the pocket making a 40-yard throw down the field. And even even in the playoff game where he had a couple, I think, uh, torn obliques or pulled, I don't know what it was, strained, I don't know. Yep. Um, he was still still throwing like an elite quarterback in the league, and he's young. He, he's only up from there. Oh, and I think that that moment of him toughing out the injury and playing through it was pretty telling of, of the kind of quarterback yeah. he is. So I think that's a great answer. Mike, are you? Uh, how do you feel about the CFL coming back? Are you excited for the Bombers to defend their title finally? You know, I just like kind of riding the coattail of not having to defend it, just bragging that it's been a couple of years of it. You know, I really love that kind of concept. So getting back into the season makes me a bit nervous. But uh, no, for sure. And I'll tell you, when the NFL played during the COVID time, that was maybe my happiest time. And I, that's sad to say, but, you know, that – you know, it's uh, a hug from your mom or something like that. Watching that football just made things right. And to have the CFL back and, and for the the country to start opening a little bit, you know, is really a great moment. And I think I was really disappointed that 
the NFL didn't step up and give the CFL their $50 million and, and just say, run it boys. And let's see what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a great sport, uh, to have the bombers back and to have them, the great cup champions and defending it is I'm really excited for the season and, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful for them. Okay. Guys switching gears a little bit. Let's talk about some NFL news, some current events. Um, Mike, you're a big Chowboys fan, as I would call you. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you, what's the state of the franchise? Is Dak worth the big contract? Whew, that's a lot. I, do you have another hour for me to just no. get into it? It's, <laughs> I, I, you know what? You can never say someone's worth that much money. Uh, when he was playing, he was playing as good as probably any quarterback in the history has ever done. It was an unbelievable start to his season. Uh I think the thing I like about him most is he, he seems to be a good guy. Mm-hmm. You know what? It's everyone bugs Tony Romo, but I really thought Tony Romo was a spectacular quarterback who you know, wasn't very tough. But uh, I think Dak is a tough guy. He's a role model. I think he's a guy who I get fired up when he gets fired up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, is he worth the money? Probably not franchise itself when jerry jones is in charge who knows you know i've i saw the cowboys win the super bowl in pasadena california michael jackson was the halftime show i can never ever complain about how the cowboys are doing i do but i shouldn't because that's as good a moment as a a kid could ever have and uh so i love them go cowboys and uh they'll be all right (laughs) okay justin there's been, uh, you know, obviously there was a bunch of QBs drafted this year, and there's a bunch of potential QB competitions coming with young guys and veterans. So, you know, there's uh, in San Francisco, Jimmy G is probably going to compete for his job with Trey Lance. Uh, in New England, Cam Newton's probably going to compete for his job with Mac Jones. And kind of the one that I'm most intrigued about is in Chicago, where uh, Andy Dalton <laughs> is going to compete with Justin Fields. So... You know, I know you've talked about liking Justin Fields. What is it about him that you think is, you know, makes him a good quarterback? Uh, his versatility on the field is, it's, you, you can never just stick to one part of his game. You you try to try to sit everyone back in zone and he'll take off running. You try to man up and, you know, blitz on the outside, get pressure. He's going to, he's going to beat you outside. He's, but he can also... He can sit in the pocket and launch the ball too. He has a strong arm and very calm under pressure. And I've been, you know, kind of keeping not a close task, but uh, keeping a watch on him since his Elite 11 right. yeah, um, in high school, his Elite 11 camp that the Nike opening holds. And right. ever since then, he he's just always amazed me at his arm talent and his leadership on the field and his just he can do whatever he wants to do on the field. I'm a Steelers fan, and he sort of reminds me, he's a better version of this, but he sort of reminds me of a young Ben Roethlisberger in the sense that, yeah, come on, (laughs) hear me out here. Well, he can extend the play. He likes to hold onto the ball forever, but nobody can tackle him, right? Like, and that's, that's Justin Fields. Justin Fields, obviously a better athlete, more of a runner, but, (laughs) but uh, come on now. We had to hear about your Cowboys. I could talk about my Steelers, okay? Oh, I have a little bit of throw up in my mouth. Oh, <laughs> he's it. like Roethlisberger, please. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Unfortunately, we're getting kind of to the end here. I always like to ask the guests, who is your favorite player and why? Justin, I'll start with you. Ooh, that's a 
That's a big question. Um, I'm going to say uh, probably uh, Russ, Russell Wilson. Okay. Again, just his versatility, leadership. He always seems to stay calm. I mean, last year he kind of started off strong, fell apart a little bit, but he got back on his horse. And it's just his, his throwing mechanics too. You know, you'll see Patrick Mahomes, don't get me wrong, he's great at what he does, but his throwing mechanics are very inconsistent. And again, that's part of his game. It helps him with his game, but... Like Russell Wilson, I'd say is uh, the opposite of that. His yes. very mechanics and just always he, he almost looks like a, a robot on the field in a way. Not in the sense that he can't move, but in the sense that every single throw almost looks the exact same. And it's that consistency. Uh, that consistency is something that I want in my game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. He's again another fun player to watch too. Russell Wilson is sick, and I I love that you pointed out the fact that uh, Mahomes with his mechanics is kind of, you know, not dialed in all the time, right? And that is part of his game. He's got that baseball background. But as a QB that's training, like, we don't really want to, like, I see drills all the time, people posting videos of, like, these off-platform sidearm throws, and it just kind of makes me cringe because I'm like, man, like, I get it. We want to be good athletes. And I think back in the day, Coach, when me and you were growing up, we used to play, like, I think just cultures changed. Like, I, I don't know, I can't speak for you, Justin, but in terms of my kids growing up, they have a different lifestyle than I did. I, I was always throwing the ball and playing. So throwing the ball sidearm was something I did with my buddies, right? So it kind of became natural. Right. Now I'm seeing people train kids to do it, and it's kind of like, okay, like, just go play ball, right? But, again, the huge point that you, you alluded to is the fact that Russell Wilson's mechanics are the same every time, and that is what you want to do with yourself. And, and, you know, you're, you, you're moving in that direction. So he's a great choice. Coach, turning it over to you, who is your favorite player of all time and why? Ooh, the list is long. And, uh, you know, I think of uh, a couple players that come to my mind. Uh, Jerry Rice, who Absolutely. to me was a guy who you count on, who did the work on the offseason. I think of Walter Payton, who, uh, same idea, is a, a great uh, you know, a great teammate. And you got to find some of those linebackers. I think one of my favorite has always been Erlacher, who, you know, he looks the part. Like, if you walked into a room and saw him, I would have to go to the bathroom right away. Like, I just feel he's a guy who is relentless. And he played the game the way I wish I could have, you know. And, uh, you know, as a 6'4", 240, and running a four for whatever he did as a freak back then, yeah. you know, he used to be a safety. So Great. those guys I love, you know, the, the game meant so much to them and they work so hard for it. And, you know, when they leave the field, I have a picture somewhere of Erlacher. He lost the Super Bowl the year Izzy was with them and, right. and the, the tinsel was falling down on him. Mm-hmm. And he was just, I just, you know, those are the things where he just, it, he just looked angry and he loved the sport and he was, it was just great. It was very passionate. You know, one thing that just popped up right now, you just said his name that we haven't talked about at all, that we definitely should address is the fact that you have former NFL player, Israel Adonijah, that came out of your school. I was fortunate to play a, a year of university with him and get to know him a little bit. Awesome guy. You see his career now after he's done in the league and all the things he's doing, you know, just amazing person. Coach, can you talk about Izzy a little bit? Mr. Grindy and him are such are great friends and they had such a great connection. And I think, you know, he played one year of high school football. Yeah. And, you know, football maybe wasn't his passion at that time, and, and he found it. And I think 
you know, life throws you curveballs once in a while. And I think it threw him a nice curveball. And if you could go through his whole story, how SARS and this and the Browns and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, and again, you know, he had a great football career and that's great. But I think one of the great things about him is he's a great person. And I think if you ask anything about him, you know, he went to the lions because, uh, Tom and Sue needed kind of a role model. And he, and the things he did with the bears to help the younger guys and, the things he did to the for the city you know those are guys who you know football is just a game and those guys who are blessed to get tons of money to play it are lucky but i think you know if you can be a great person like him and 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 that's what's important to us and i think of chris bauman who you know you play with him right and yep. again you know number one draft pick and stuff but he's a great person and he's a guy who whenever he's in town he'll come to practice if he there's a chance to work with kids and he, i think he's also coaching out in uh, uh saskatchewan there so i think you know those are guys who i'm so inspired by because they're such good people and uh you know they happen to be great football players absolutely it's great to touch on izzy i'm glad we talked about him um, guys, it's been an awesome podcast to talk about your guys' backgrounds in the game, to talk about Vincent Massey football, and, and just to spend a couple hours chatting football with two good guys that I really enjoy. I hope you guys enjoyed your time tonight. Oh, yeah, it was spectacular. It was fun. I want to thank the audience who's listening. Okay, we're growing every week. I've got a bunch of uh, great guests lined up for future podcasts, so stay tuned in. And, again, guys, thanks for being on. I hope you have a good night. Take care. 